The sex ed mum. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, good. I'm so happy to have you here today. We're going to be talking about gender. Yes, we are. I'm very, very <laughs> excited. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. It's a pleasure. So, Laura, just before we, we kind of start, you know, having a conversation and having a chat, tell us more about yourself. Um, so hi, my name is Laura, my pronouns are she, they, um, and I am the founder of My Body and Yours, which is a sex education organisation. Um, I also specialise in LGBTQIA plus identities and gender, um, and I have a master's degree in gender studies and did some research as part of that that I think we're going to be talking a little bit about today with regards to sort of like gender neutral upbringings for, for children. But yeah, I deliver sex ed um, and I do lots of work with schools and also um, with other sort of like youth groups and things like that. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And yes, because most of these episodes, um, in most of those episodes, I'm going to be speaking with parents. But yeah. One of the reasons you are here, apart obviously that you've got an amazing research, is because you, you, you know, yourself, for your research, you spoke to many parents, right? Yeah, so for my main research projects, my master's degree, I have a real, um, I have a real interest in parenting, even though I'm not yet a parent myself. And I particularly have an interest in how to raise children in a sex positive and um, gender inclusive household, um, and how we can implement um, sort of aspects of gender inclusivity when we're raising our children or when when other parents are raising their children. Um, And yeah, so for part of my my research, I decided that I really wanted to explore the ways that parents are trying to broaden the horizons um, for their children with regards to gender. So I did interviews with parents in Brighton, um, which is obviously quite a liberal area generally. So mm-hmm. that perhaps skewed the research ever so slightly, but um, it was really interesting to talk with parents who were considering, um, I suppose, the limitations of a heavily gendered upbringing and how yeah. they wanted to adapt their parenting to create more opportunities for their children. Cool. Yeah, wonderful. And I usually start with this question, Laura. How was your own experience when it comes to relationships (laughs) and sex education when you were a child Um, or a young person? I had some, which is more than a lot of people um, have, I suppose. So I do remember having some RSE in school. So we had a a session on puberty, which I remember um, being with all of the boys and girls and then all the boys were sent off and we were told about periods and they weren't, um, Mm. which I feel is now reflected in a lot of the adult men that I encounter Mm. who absolutely know nothing about periods. Mm. Um, And then we had a biology session in secondary school where I saw a video of a baby being born, which was just not what you needed (laughs) on a Monday morning. It was pretty intense. Um, and then we did actually have a session as well on like putting a condom on a banana, but I wasn't actually there for that session. So I completely oh. um, missed out on that. But I heard from my friends that that had happened. But it, it very much was very limited Um definitely didn't explore anything about consent or healthy relationships or LGBT identities. Um, I mean, I'm uh, bisexual myself and I very much felt like when I was doing sex education that some of it was relevant to me but that it was it was missing part of the story um it was missing part of what I needed so definitely not not great not non-existent but not great (laughs) well it's really interesting that you can actually count and name the sessions that you had rather than 
you thinking oh no you know what it was a progression it was just yeah, conversations yeah. that we just kept up that kept happening yeah which it should be I mean it should be that ongoing evolving conversation but also funnily enough I um when I was younger I remember finding out about the word sex and asking yeah. my parents what it meant and they always would tell me that it's um whether you're male or female which you know isn't a lie but it also wasn't what I was getting at and they knew that um and then eventually I read um I was a bit of an advanced reader so I got to the age of about 10 and I was reading books for sort of 13 14 year olds Mm -hmm. and one of them mentioned that someone had sex with someone else and I went up to my mum and I said oh what what does what does sex mean and she said I told you what it means it means if you're male or female and I said well that doesn't make sense in in the context of this book that doesn't make sense so she said okay me and your dad are gonna sit you down on Saturday we're gonna have a conversation with you and then it was just like everything was thrown at me and they told me absolutely everything that I could need to know all in one go and then gave me a book and sort of sent me on my way and I know that they tried their best I'm not knocking them um, it was this very formal process of okay me and your dad are going to sit you down and we're going to tell you everything and then we're going to give you a book and then we've done it we've done our job (laughs) we're going to have the talk the talk it was very much the talk and it was this very formal thing in my head of like oh okay like almost like I was in trouble like they're gonna sit me down and have a conversation with me um and then I had this book to go and explore which I I have to this day and it's it's very it's very interesting but um yeah it was very much um not something that was sort of organically introduced it was something that I felt like all of a sudden was thrust upon me at certain intervals yeah I mean and, and, and it's fantastic because at least you did have you know like the, the conversation at least mm. the, it was there you know like yeah and as yeah. you said you know like we all do our best at the end of the day oh but... yeah absolutely and um I they definitely did tell me a lot of what I needed to know but I think that yeah definitely now as, as we know more about how to yeah. sort of like teach this subject sort of interweaving it more is is a bit less I suppose abrasive yeah <laughs> um and a bit more organic yeah and obviously you, you mentioned a couple of topics and you you started to say kind of like but we didn't you know we didn't talk about these things like mm. what about gender obviously because it's you know kind of your expertise like mm. was it something that was discussed you know on no purpose, it... you know like what's what was the experience in regards to gender it, it really wasn't and I remember um I re- well, I remember, as I'm sure a lot of people do, the, the word gay being thrown around as an insult in the school yeah. playground. So I really sort of only knew it in that context. Yeah. And I do remember asking my mum what a lesbian was when I heard that word. And she said, it's a woman who marries a woman, which is, you know, so- somewhat accurate in some cases. Um, yeah. So it was never concealed from me in that sense. Like if I asked for the information, I had it. But I realized that I was bisexual very young so I was 12 when I first told a a select few of my friends that I liked women um and I remember being the odd one out I was the only person who was um that I knew that was sort of like out in my school I didn't think that anybody else was LGBT um which I know now that they were but it was very much like a I felt like the odd one out it wasn't something that was discussed it was never something that I mean I go into schools now to teach sex ed and they have pride flags up and they have assemblies on things and (laughs) that's amazing and I love it I love seeing it because it feels like um it's like patching a wound um from when I was younger that I see it now being reflected for younger people but we didn't have any of that and I mean I really didn't know about um even like trans identity 
identities or mm. about gender identity until I was probably about 17, 18. And I, I sort of did my own learning and um, I found feminism through YouTube videos and became really interested in feminism and in gender inequalities and the way that certain things are pushed upon boys and girls. And that was really where it started evolving. Um, and then I just was completely hooked. I was just amazed that there was this this thing going on under our noses that it felt like people weren't talking about this really pressing issue and um, I suppose inequality that so many people are experiencing. So I sort of taught myself in that sense and then decided to go on and do a, a master's in gender studies to sort of get a more formal education in it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it, it very much sounds that most of your interest comes from, you know, the, the, the kind of lack of information that you mm. had like previously that kind of like yeah. informed yourself and learn about it and and it's fantastic that you're now teaching other people like. yeah yeah just passing on the education that <laughs> I maybe didn't have when I was younger yeah. um yeah, yeah and you mentioned the word well the the the, the, the concept of gender identity mm-hmm. and um when I meet young people as well and we talk gender identity and gender expression yeah those two terms tend to be quite confusing for many people yeah yeah. what's the difference so the difference is um that gender identity is how you think of your own gender so um it's how you know your gender to be in your own head so you know whether you identify as a man or a woman or if you identify as non-binary or if you identify with various different genders Mm -hmm. it's that sort of sense of who you are whereas gender expression is more about how you show that and you may wish to show your gender so for example if you identify as a woman you may wish to show that by wearing um stereotypically feminine things like dresses or makeup um or different mannerisms that are more feminine but also it's not directly it's just because you express a certain way it doesn't mean you identify a certain way so for example a man who chooses to wear nail polish isn't suddenly a woman because of you know he's chosen to um to wear something that's more typically associated with women um so your gender expression and your gender identity are different they're different things and one doesn't determine the other but you you can choose to express in a way that shows your identity if you want to yeah and because I'm thinking about you know children like young children they like they love they like exploring and Mm. like like games and toys and dresses and things like that and that kind of concerned sometimes from parents like thinking oh what's happening here and sometimes it's just it's just it's just a game isn't it oh absolutely an exploration right yeah and and you know within um, my research there were parents that were saying that their child their little boys were really drawn to um uh, sequins like dresses with sequins mm. on um and that they you know when they were doing when they were out clothes shopping um that would be what their their sort of toddler age boys would naturally reach for is the really sparkly yeah. dresses now that doesn't mean that those children are going to grow up and identify as women because they're more drawn to something more feminine I mean something that's sparkly and reflects the light is going to be attractive to most babies because of how you know it grabs the attention of people so it it really isn't um it oftentimes can just be a way of exploring and exploring you know um different options for you it doesn't have to necessarily mean that you're going to grow up and you're going to identify one way or the other children like to explore and they're figuring stuff out they're figuring out what 
works for them and sometimes you know that may mean that they grow up and and they are trans or they are non-binary but oftentimes it won't be it'll just be that they enjoy playing and exploring like children do all the time it's the same way that if you have a a a child playing with a toy kitchen they may grow up to be a chef they may grow up to to love cooking but it also may be a game for them so you, you never really know until they're older and they can convey that to you themselves yeah now that's the, and it, it is at the, at the end of the day it's whatever it is whatever it is feminine or masculine nowadays because that changes mm. as well and it changes you know within different societies as well at different oh, absolutely yeah different cultures and in history high heels were originally worn by men yeah. Um, mm. and yeah it's ever changing and ever evolving absolutely yeah and at the beginning obviously you asked the question like you, you you were talking about that um question that you asked your parents about sex and they told mm. they, they told you male and female obviously and it's you know part of the story yeah because um, the other the other kind of um confusion comes between gender and sex or let's say let's say sex assigned at birth yeah what's the yeah. difference so your sex assigned at birth um, your, or your biological sex mm. is typically when a doctor will, you know, baby's born, they look between the legs of the baby and if it's a penis, they say it's a boy. And if it's uh, if they have a vulva, they say it's a girl. Um, it's a bit more than that. So in terms of your sex characteristics, you have your genitals, you have your gonads, which are like your testicles or your ovaries. Mm-hmm. You also have your uh, hormones, you have chromosomes, so XX or XY, and then you also have secondary sex characteristics. So things like facial hair or things like breasts um there's lots of different um biological components components of your like anatomy that make up your sex um but usually it's just a case of like okay this baby has a penis they're a boy this baby has a vulva they're a girl um whereas your gender is how again it's it's how you identify as your own sense of um of who you are so sometimes that will match with what you're assigned at birth sometimes there will be somebody who's assigned male at birth and they will grow up and they will think yeah that that fits I feel Uh like a boy I feel like a man um and sometimes it won't fit and people will you know identify as as trans because they identify you know they were assigned male at birth and they identify as a woman or they identify as non-binary and it it won't necessarily match up um so yeah it's very much like gender is is your own sense of, of who you are whereas sex assigned at birth is um what you've been told you are based on your anatomy yeah because the thing is tradition and it comes back obviously to the information we we had or didn't have right in the past yeah it it can be you know those terms can be confusing for 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 people Um, Mm. but now you're telling me that when we come when we talk about kind of gender reveal parties and I think you you were talking about that on your research there's no such thing right it's just like there's no genital reveal party right it's a genital reveal party so when you have a gender reveal party I mean when your doctor tells you it's a boy or it's a girl it's because they've seen a penis or not seen a penis on on the scan um so they're telling you that the sex of your child they're telling you the um the the genitals that your child has um so you're you can't actually know the gender of your child until they're old enough to tell you what that is so when you announce to everybody it's a boy or it's a girl what you're really only telling them is what genitals your child has which i find a penis. Little... yeah it's a it's a it's a penis or it's a vulva party yeah. 
<laughs> um, and then, yeah, you, your, your child can't actually tell you, um, and at least until they're born, until they're talking, what, <laughs> what their actual gender is. Um, yeah, so that that is also the difference between sex and gender is that you, when you find out, you know, this, if you say, oh, have you found out the gender of the baby yet? What you're really asking is, have you found out the sex? Have you found out what, what genitals they have? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be honest, I've been guilty of that because I one of the things I wanted to know when I was pregnant is the sex of my baby. Yeah, Um, a lot lot of people do. Yeah. And um, and I know obviously you asked some of the reasons um, why parents wanted to know the the, you know, the biological sex Mm. of the of their baby. What what reasons parents gave you? Um, so a lot of the reasons that, well, a lot of the reasons that, uh, that I've heard from other parents, so this is outside of my research, is yeah. so that they know what colour to paint the nursery or that they know what yeah. clothes to start buying, which, you know, that shouldn't be limited just because you're having a baby yeah. with a penis doesn't mean you have to paint the nursery blue. Again, that's something that that's a gender norm that we've cultivated within our society. Um, you can really paint the nursery whatever colour you want. Um, but those are kind of the excuses I've heard is like, oh, well, I want to know what toys to get. I want to know what clothes to get. I don't want to have to do all of that shopping afterwards um but within my research I found that parents who were perhaps aiming to parent in a more gender neutral way but Mm. that had still found out the gender of their Mm. child the sex of their child I should say Mm. um was because they 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 mostly reported wanting to know sorry something just fell outside the kitchen I'm gonna just repeat what I just said um they mostly wanted to know um, everything that they could about the child that they were having. So I think some of the parents said that if there was an eye colour test, they'd have, they'd have taken it. Mm. Because they just wanted to know every last bit of information. And I think it's interesting because I think that while gender reveal parties are becoming more criticised and while people yeah. are saying, well, you shouldn't have to know, you should treat them the same regardless of, of if they're a boy or a girl, you shouldn't have to... to you know get a test or a scan to see what sex your child is I also think that there is an argument for okay we want to raise children as as equally as possible of course we do and we want them all to have the same opportunities but the fact of the matter is is that some children if you're a you know if you're a girl if you're assigned female at birth um, you're going to have very different life experiences to people who were assigned male at birth so actually I'm not against you know people finding out the the sex of their their baby it can tell you a lot about the experiences I don't think it can tell you about the gender of your child but I think it can tell you about some of the experiences and difficulties that they may have navigating their way through the world and perhaps you can you know accommodate yeah prepare and and accommodate um to to kind of like yeah prepare for that and make sure that they have everything they need so if you're having um if you're having if your child is assigned female at, at birth you may sort of be like okay well from different um from looking at how women generally are we know that she may struggle to be assertive or she's going to be told that she's being too bossy so what Mm. we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we buy loads of books about confidence and speaking up for yourself and how there's no such thing as bossy that's just assertive um so you can sort of prepare for that because ultimately they probably are going to have different 
different experiences based on their sex, even if their gender doesn't match that. So yeah, I think it's an interesting one. But um, I think that if if your sole purpose of finding out the sex is because you want to go out and buy an all pink wardrobe or an all blue wardrobe, then maybe sort of just take a step back and say, well, actually, what, what, why is this a, why, why do I need to know what genitals my child has to, to color code them correctly? You know, can't I, can't they just wear anything that they want? Yeah. And it's sometimes it's even the expectation, not necessarily your expectation as a, as a parent, but also kind of like to conform with, you know, your family, yeah. you know, norms and things like that. It's about the family and the tradition. It is, it's hard at the end of the it's day. It's really hard. It is really hard. And I think that, you know, there's so many stories about people who've, who've had a boy and dressed him in pink and then they just automatically get assumed to be a little girl. Um, and then you have to sort of say, oh, no, actually, he's a boy. And then you sort of get met with, you know, judgment of like, well, why would you dress a boy in pink? Or why would you put a boy in a dress? So I really empathize with parents, because even if you are trying to push against these gender norms, you're going to be met with with backlash, because they're so ingrained in people. um, And people have such strong ideas of what boys should wear, what boys should play with, what girls should wear, the type of games that girls should be playing, um, all of these different things. So it's hard. It is really, really, really hard. Um, And it's it's definitely a, a battle that a lot of parents are going through at the moment yeah it's hard I was you know I'm, I'm I grew up in Spain and in Spain it's very typical to pierce the ears well if you obviously you if you're assigned female at birth automatically you get your ears pierced um just to obviously show to everyone that you're um that it's a girl Look yeah it's a girl she's got um, jewelry <laughs> and I decided not to do that um with with my daughter and every time I, I went to Spain and when she she was a baby it was oh what a lovely boy and and <laughs> not this yeah, thing. So, yeah. I mean I, I never I really don't mind so I never corrected anyone really yeah. <laughs> I don't mind um but it's funny how we kind of you know like but some 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 people might mind and you know rather than uh, get getting everyone asking questions and things mm-hmm. like that you kind of do certain things like dressing in certain colors or piercing the ears or whatever it is to actually not having to to not have those constant kind of like questions or and I think sometimes people get really if if they assume your child to be a a boy and then you say oh no she's actually a girl um they seem to get really like embarrassed and like oh my god I'm so sorry I did and it's not it's just not a big deal is it it's like all, all babies are small and bold and they all sort of look similar like why is it so offensive to think that you you could have thought that my my you know female child was was male it's it's really not that that big of a deal really is it um but yeah, it's, it's interesting how we position boys and girls as so opposite yeah. that it could even be yeah. offensive to confuse them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was one thing on your paper that it says that parenting involves making choices for your child before they're old enough to make mm. decisions themselves. What, because obviously, yes, you, as a parent, you will have to make some decisions and some of those decisions might have to do with things related to gender but what what are the implications when it comes to gender of you know like making those decisions in terms yeah, of like yeah. the colors and, and and things like that it's really difficult and i think that for me i when i did this paper it was a really big push for gender neutrality right mm. so for gender neutral clothing for lots of beiges and whites and yellows and all that stuff mm. and i've actually sort of 
taken a bit of a swing in the opposite direction and I now believe in um, a gender expansive uh, wardrobe or gender expansive toys so what that would mean is that you have clothes in all different styles all different colors um toys that you know would typically be for you know hyper masculine toys hyper feminine Mm. toys as well as having more neutral things and then what you've done is you've really created space for your child to try everything and then to sort of um move towards what they're interested in i think that in any situation if you provide a really restricted um you know if you provide really restricted options so if you only uh, provide a certain amount you know a certain type of clothing sorry or if you a certain type of toy or certain colors then what you're doing is you're um you're sort of limiting the options of the child whereas if you provide a bit of everything then they're not gonna be interested in everything but then you give them the space to sort of even when they're really young to just sort of like crawl towards what takes their eye and then as they get older I think it's a lot easier to sort of leave things behind and say well I don't need these things then have to sort of like try and break your way out of this one way of of thinking or this one way of viewing the world so I think what it what it means for parents is that if you if you try to you know all parents want what's best for their children they want their children to have as many options as possible and to really open up their world if you do that when it comes to gender as well so if you you know provide different toys different clothing different activities then it means that your children can try a bit of everything and figure out what really works for them um and you're going to be making a choice for your child either way so if you provide if you have a, a boy and you just give them boys toys um then that's a choice that you've made. If you have a boy and you give them what is stereotypically boys' toys and girls' toys and more neutral toys, you've still, you know, you've still made that choice for your child because they're too young to make it themselves. But it means that as they grow, they're going to know that you're okay with whatever path they end up taking. They're going to know that they have more options. They're going to have more space to find what is authentically them um, rather than just being like, oh, well, I like this, but I don't know whether I like it because... Um, I chose to like it out of a wide variety of options or if I like it because it's just the only thing I've ever known and I think then it's harder to break to break out of that yeah and that's that's super interesting what you say like you know show them that the possibilities are there and that you know you're you're there also to support them because in my experience my you know some parents they're like all right he's a boy and we're going to buy cars blah 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 and Mm. we go with my child, it was completely the opposite. I was always being really open to anything. Yeah, and yeah. my child from very young age, she was like, you know, she, you know, like she went straight into the kind of princess thing. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and, and at, I think at some points I felt uncomfortable somehow. And then I was like, you know what? She's making the choices at the end of the day. And yeah. I'm also, you know, encouraging, you know, like to look everywhere you know yeah yeah absolutely and the the goal isn't um I don't think the goal is to make sure that all of our girls like boys things uh, and I say boys things in 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 quotes um that all of our girls like boys things and all of our boys like girls things it's just that they whatever they've chosen that they've done that because they've had the choice and they're gonna have outside influences they're gonna see things on tv they're gonna hear things in school but I think it's your job as a parent to just say that whatever you like whatever you're interested in I'm here to support you even if it's not something that 
is traditionally mm. um, aligned with with your sex. I'm okay with that because exactly. what that means is that when they're older, when they're teenagers, and they may start having some some thoughts about gender, they're going to reflect on their childhood and they can say, "Well, actually, my mm. my mum never had an issue when I put dresses on, even when I, you know, even mm. when I'm a boy. If I wanted to dress up as Cinderella, my mum bought me that dress. Yeah. So is she really going to have an issue if I now tell her that I'm not a boy, that I'm I'm trans? Mm. Um, and it's providing that really safe foundation for them to go actually my parents are okay with with whoever I end up being and they're there to support me with that and also you talk yeah that's very interesting because you were obviously you're talking about you know boys but you also mentioned on the paper that about that the flexibility that Mm. girls have when it comes to exploring you know toys and clothing yeah yeah and maybe not necessarily boys this is something that I found really interesting when I was doing the research um, is that girls have a lot more flexibility in terms of exploring gender than boys do. Mm. Um, so, for example, I think a lot of people wouldn't really care if they saw a little girl out in public wearing boys yeah. clothes. So wearing like a jeans and a boy's dinosaur jumper. They, they wouldn't really care. They may think it's, you know, slightly odd, but they wouldn't care. If you took a little boy out wearing a dress, people would have a lot of comments. You'd get some people that were outraged. I've seen it happen before. You'd get people calling the parents perverts, saying that they're setting him up for bullying. It would just be an outcry in a lot of situations. Um, And similarly, a lot of the gender neutral options that are available now. So John Lewis, I think I mentioned this in the paper, but John Lewis released um, a gender neutral clothing line a few years back. Um, And what that was, was it was um, sort of like... um, more like beiges and neutral colors with dinosaurs on yeah. now dinosaurs are something that has historically been more associated with boys but they said oh no it's okay boys and girls can wear this but you didn't see any clothing options that had things that were traditionally associated with girls like unicorns yeah. or ballerinas being made for being made gender neutral so that boys could also wear them um and i think that this really speaks to how we value masculinity and femininity within our society so we see masculinity as as being um as number one and femininity is very something something that is very much um like a second place so what we're saying is that girls should strive to 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 be more masculine in some circumstances that that's seen as taking a step up um but actually it's it's almost degrading um or embarrassing for for a boy or for somebody um assigned male at birth to enjoy things that are feminine um and i think for that reason girls do have a lot more flexibility in that sense um i think we've really got a long way to go with people who are assigned male at birth being able to you know enjoy things that are, that are feminine um because it really is so ridiculed yeah now uh, yes the, what what yeah what you're explaining it is it's just fantastic but do you know when um i think it was around um the time my, my daughter was born is when john lewis um um changed this and yeah you know, yeah but the, I, I'm, I'm not i'm not really sure maybe it was only the cambridge store but you know it was gender neutral but you could see two sections right it's not (laughs) like we got all the children's clothes here and dresses and trousers and um sparkly things and you know everything mixed together no you could see and again might be the store here in cambridge but like yeah see very clearly it was yeah it was yeah it didn't say on the label boy or girls or anything like that 
but, but... Even you can tell yeah like there's even if you go to you know your local supermarket and you go down the toy aisles yeah. even if they're not called boys toys and girls toys yes. you can see that one aisle is trucks and blue and uh, yes. monsters and army men and all that stuff and the girls is unicorns and um you know fairies and princesses and yeah it's still very much um implied there yes you, um and i think that you know there are a lot more neutral toys things like legos and, and blocks and all that kind of stuff but i also think that I don't think that the fight is against things that are hyper masculine or hyper yeah. like I don't think that something inherently you know being uh, like you know there's nothing wrong with with trucks or there's nothing wrong yeah. with ballerinas I think yeah. what's wrong is that when we're prescribing them to a certain type of child um based on you know the genitals that they happen to be born with at birth so I think that yeah it's it's very interesting that we've sort of said like oh gender neutral but we're still gonna you know we're gonna put all of this stuff over here we're gonna put all of the trucks and the diggers and everything all in one area um and we're gonna put all the ballerinas and the unicorns in this area because we're still very much implying (laughs) um that that these are for boys and these are for girls but that's what I mean by gender expansive parenting I think it's it's really giving your children a bit of everything um and again, I feel like that kind of backlash, I feel like a little girl playing with a truck, there really wouldn't be that much backlash. If anything, it would be positive. It would be like, oh, amazing. Like, look yeah. at her playing with with something that's like pushing her her boundaries. But for a boy playing with a doll, there's, again, there's a lot more scope for like ridicule or for sort of thinking, oh, well, that's inappropriate. We're going to take that away. He shouldn't be playing with that. So it's, it's really unfortunate that we sort of started to um to let girls in on on more masculine things but we're still very much um quite stinted in in letting boys be more feminine yeah and you know i i fell into that trap because when my daughter was you know again i wanted to kind of give her more options and everything and because at the end of the day like games and toys it's, it's about developing skills right yeah and, yeah you know you need a variety to develop different skills and and then I found myself because you know yeah she always like kind of whatever is very stereotypically feminine things mm-hmm. right yeah and and I had to stop and think all right w- why do I have a problem with that yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it comes back to that kind of masculinity it's you know um on a diff- on a on a superior level right yeah, it's kind yeah. of um, we see we see femininity and enjoying princesses as frivolous and and why should it be um you know i think that definitely if 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 our girls are sort of if they've been given the choice and they're still navigating towards yeah. femininity i think that's fine as long as they know they have options and that that's not yeah. the only thing that is is for you know for them if they don't want it to be then there's nothing wrong with that and i, I you know i think that um yeah like i said gender expansive parenting it's not just about giving trucks to your girls and dolls to your boys it's also about giving dolls to your girls and trucks to your boys so that they can figure out what they actually like yeah but you know laura the the problem is when you when you're a parent you always get you always feel guilty you feel guilty of not doing this or you feel guilty of doing that so there's always you know you feel always guilty that you're not doing the right thing so i think it's yeah i empathize so much with that and i think that it's it's I really really empathize with parents because I know so many parents who want to 
provide more options yeah. for um, gender for their children. So using the the kind of like little boys wearing dresses as an example, there are lots of little boys that will point at dresses in the supermarket and want them. And then as a parent, you've got a really difficult choice there. Do you let your child have what they want and let them know that it's okay to be themselves and okay to explore and to, to be feminine? but potentially <laughs> set them up, you know, for, for bullying in school. Mm. If they would say, oh, well, I want to wear my dress to school today. What do you do in that situation? It's something that I, you know, I don't have children, but I, I want children very much. And it's something that scares me knowing that I'm going to have those those choices, you know, ahead mm. of me of do I say to my child, you know what, you go to school and you be your authentic self and, you know, to hell with what anyone else thinks, like you just be you, but know that they're going to get bullied or very yeah. highly likely they're going to get bullied. Yeah. Or do you say, oh, well, maybe it would be better to keep them safer, but mm. then suppress who they are. Yeah. It's, su- it's such a tough it's choice. Tough. I really do feel for all the parents that have got to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know what the the right answer is, really. I think I don't think the there right. is, is it? No, it's, it's such a tough battle. Um, mm. And I think that all we can do is is really try to change this culture and to yeah. challenge people, including children, to challenge um, these preconceptions when yeah. they come to us. If you hear your children saying oh well this is a girl's thing or this is a boy thing that's a really good learning moment pick them up on that and say well why Mm -hmm. why is it that why is it that boys can't do ballet like don't they have feet can't they dance around you know can't they move isn't it sort of similar to playing football or doing other things where you move your body and you know jump around the room and challenge that um it's a really really great teaching moment and I think that that's how we start changing the culture and particularly for like the next generation who are hopefully going to grow up having a bit more of a kind of understanding more the fluidity between gender and and Mm -hmm. how we can um kind of just do what is right for us yeah no i definitely yeah i think things are changing perhaps they're not changing as fast as we wish or maybe they can't you know maybe things cannot change that fast and perhaps as you say it's just the you know future generations that are growing up in a, a bit more um diverse and open environments that mm. will keep challenging even things that now we don't challenge and we consider normal that they're, they're going to start questioning themselves as mm. well mm. yeah absolutely and hopefully we are we're getting there um like you said perhaps not as quickly as as we would like to but um yeah i hope i hope that things are are getting better and that you know all children are going to have more options yeah. available to them and you talk, I mean, we have talked quite a lot about kind of that more gender neutrality or, or you know, or, or, or providing more um, opportunities. Or, mm. But what about those kind of very heavy gender expectations? What happened, you know, to those parents or those families who decide, you know, this is, you know, this is the way we, we do things here? Uh, so the consequences? Like if you're coming up against, I mean you're you're always no matter how you parent you're always going to come up against other parents that want to yeah. do things differently um and I think even in schools as well or even even on like tv shows in books you, you'll come up against these gendered expectations and I think that it's not about I don't think it's about if for example there was a, a book or a show that that had these more traditionally gendered roles I don't think it's necessarily about shielding your children from that I think it's just about opening it up to have a conversation Mm. so um you know there's I think within the um within the study I did there were some parents that talked about how there were certain 
um, like Disney films that they just wouldn't show their children and that's their personal choice Um, that's you know you have to do what's right for you but I also think that if you did want to say okay well we we can watch Cinderella but maybe we have a conversation about it afterwards like why is it why is it okay to call the stepsisters ugly that's not a very nice thing to do Um, why is Cinderella expected to do all the housework it's it's some of those things even though they're they're dated they may provide really good jumping point like jumping off points for actually having those conversations um and I think when you come up against other parents who may have different ways of doing things or your child goes off to have tea at somebody else's house and they come back and they say oh uh, so and so my friend said that um my scooter is girls because it's pink Mm. again just say okay well that's their opinion what do you think why do you think pink is a is a girl's color does it have to be and use that as an opportunity you don't have to sort of um I suppose disregard other parents views but it's about how you talk to your child about it and you're trying to open up their worldview so it's just about challenging I think and you know like anything children are learning and they're exploring and they're you know creating this idea in their heads of the the, the rules of the world Um, and it's a really good chance to sort of intersect there and and try to reduce the harm because we're all going to grow up with gender stereotypes you know we're not nobody is without them we all have these ingrained ideas of of what's for boys and what's for girls because we grew up with them and it's hard to shake them so it's actually much better if you can start cultivating this idea of gender expansion gender neutrality in childhood so that they have a lot less unlearning to do later on yeah 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 and what would be kind of your your advice you know your personal advice to you know any any parents of children that show that show any kind of non-conforming Threat anything you know no no obviously i'm not necessarily talking about any kind of trans identity or mm. that, that just anything just any non- yeah exactly yeah don't be scared of it you don't know how that's going to turn out for your child um your child may be trans they may not be just because they like just because they're gender non-conforming it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're going to be trans i think that um what's important to do is just to keep all the doors open and be prepared for any outcome which is you know it's 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 hard to do because you can never know the way things are going to go but if you love your child unconditionally then you should be able to just support them with whatever their interests are and as they get older if they start talking to you about gender or being trans then that's a conversation that you can have with them and if you've shown them your acceptance of their interests then hopefully they'll feel more comfortable coming to you um, and having that conversation but I think that if your child is is gender non-conforming in in any way celebrate that in the sense of in in the study um one of the bits of research i came up against was that some parent i mean some parents will openly if they see um their their children playing with you know certain toys that they wouldn't think was for their gender they would actively um you know discipline their child or take the toy away but some parents would just not play with them so Mm -hmm. for example a a boy playing with a truck their parents would engage more excuse me would engage more with that game than if the boy was playing with a doll then they'd sort Mm. of just go off and leave them to it and children notice that and they notice when they're getting attention so I think just be mindful of um you know if my child is um non-conforming in some way how do I respond to that even if you're not overtly saying that's not okay what's your body language doing are you going and playing with them are you um only getting them if they're interested in um I don't know 
<laughs> glittery unicorns are you only getting those when they ask for them or are you taking it upon yourself to think oh well I'll get them one for, yeah. for Christmas so that it's not just when they're asking for it I can show that I accept it anyway just thinking about all of those things and that will be picked up on by your child and then you never know what the future will bring whether they're cisgender yeah. transgender you know non-binary um hopefully you've created that open dialogue and that space of acceptance so that whatever does come they'll be ready to talk to you about it and they'll know that you're on their side yeah i think that and that's the most important you know thing that we can do as leave that door open you know for whatever happens you know mm. like any conversations anything that you know and anything that might come just leave the door open and and, and you know let them know that you're there for them um, and as you said you you educate as much with the things that you say as you do with the things that you don't say as well yeah no absolutely a lot of it is in in the silence and how you actually interact with your child and Mm. if you're smiling at them if you're showing Mm. them love if you give them a hug Mm. if you all of those things um and children are incredibly intelligent and they pick up on that so just show them love no matter what they're doing as long as they're safe um as long as they're safe and happy that's that's all that matters um they're still your children um even if they're not necessarily following the path that you thought that they might. Oh, they will never do, I think. <laughs> but, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Laura, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's been so nice to talk um, to you as well. Thank you if, for having me. If um, listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they How can they find you? Yeah, so um, I'm at my body and yours on all different social media. So on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Facebook. Um, so you can go there. My website is uh, www.mybodyandyours.com. Um, and like I said, I deliver um, sex education and relationships education within schools for primary and secondary. Um, so if you are a parent and you think actually I think my child's school could really do with an external facilitator then go and approach the head teacher go and approach the head of PSHE and maybe pass on my information if you want to and um, children young children well at least you know most of the time when I speak with them they do prefer an external um, yeah they do most young people do because I think that it can be really embarrassing to yeah. talk to you about sex um, from your geography teacher <laughs> who you then have to have geography with so yeah, yeah feel free to get in contact and if you have any questions about anything if you have any concerns about anything um do just drop me a message on on social media and I'd be really happy to talk with you oh that's fantastic Laura thank you so so much um a really Great. interesting conversation um but yeah we'll put all the contact details for for Laura on the description of of this episode fantastic thank Thank you you, Laura bye bye the sex ed mums